0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hey there. Welcome to Nick Pollock and Friends,
1: where I talk to people I know and who you should know. Ah, Today is Frank Stample. You might know him from the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast with CBS. He does incredible work there. We follow him at Roto underscore Frank on Twitter. Frank, it's great to see you, man.
2: It is great to see you as well, man. And I appreciate you having me on. This is going to be a lot of fun. Take a little break away from baseball. And the name of this podcast is Nick Pollock your Friends. That means I'm one
1: of your friends. Oh, absolutely. Frank, are you kidding me? You know, well, I, re- I remember going on your, uh, oh, man, Fancy Best Friends show. Uh, and uh, with, I uh, believe, Greg, Greg Sussman, is that right? Yep. Uh, that was that was like the best time ever. And the fact that you said, so like, oh, man, I love this guy. When I came on, I was like, what? You <laughs> guys know me? <laughs> it was, you know, you instantly I was like, okay, well, I want to be one of the best friends now, too. So, of course, you're here now, Frank. Um, but, yeah, before we, like, get started even, uh, do you want to just tell everybody, you know, obviously you're at CBS now, but just kind of your your resume.
2: Yeah, so it's been Quite the journey, which I think most people in the fantasy industry have had. And uh, I've been playing fantasy baseball like with my dad since I was like a kid. And I would Mm. just name his team names and stuff. And he was like, back when you had to mail in your waiver wire and and setting up like via actual mail, not email or or the internet. Right. So that was like my earliest exposure to fantasy baseball was with my dad. And I've been playing ever since. I, I really picked it back up in like late high school and early on in college. And I originally started up my own website with a few buddies of mine, Michael Florio, which actually works with the NFL network now. So he's gone on to to bigger and better things. Another one of my buddies, Chris Nappy, we started that up in college. It was called fantasyondeck.com. And it was basically your usual, hey, we have our own blog. We write about some fantasy baseball stuff. Yada, yada. Uh, And and from there on, it kind of transitioned into other things. And college, my, I guess, like thesis project was I made like a green screen video in my basement. Honestly, if people want to search it up, if you search it up on YouTube, fantasy on deck, you will see me back 10 years ago. Awful audio is it's terrible, but it's
1: like, it's, it's so bad that it's good. So you want to go and search it up fantasy on deck on YouTube and you'll well, find that. Okay. That's the stuff that's great though. That comes out of just pure passion. You know, uh, everyone asks like what makes those things that are not nearly with the same production and all that stuff. Good. It's when you have someone that clearly cares so much about it and they just, it's infectious. So I'm sure that's an amazing, uh, amazing video. Fantasy baseball on deck. Is that what you, uh, you called it? Was that right?
2: It was just fantasy on deck because we would do okay. football stuff. We didn't want to like just limit it to baseball. So sure. yeah, if you search it up on YouTube, you'll find it. And uh, it's hilarious. So I do oh encourage my that. Uh, after that, after I got out of college, I actually had the opportunity to write for rotoexperts.com, Scott Engel, the king in the fantasy industry. I owe him uh, a debt of gratitude for, for taking a chance on me and allowing me to write for them. That was like my real big break, I would say, in the fantasy industry. And then mm-hmm. I started interning with the the Fantasy Sports Network at the time as a radio producer, a video producer, uh, and then basically just within them just worked my way up over time. And that's how it became Sports Grid, which is they're still around now. And they gave me a ton of opportunities to be on air, behind the scenes, learn a lot about production, video editing, uh, audio editing, the whole nine yards, learning about YouTube, uh, publishing podcasts, everything there. And and uh, really, that's where they gave me the opportunity to do the Fantasy BFF show with uh, Florio at the time, Michael Florio and Craig Sussman. And then from there, it really just evolved. I started getting all these like other opportunities, working with like MSG. And ultimately, that's how CBS Sports found me. And uh, Adam Azer, we were friends through Nando DeFino. Nando, another one, gave me a ton of opportunities. Can't say enough great things about Nando DeFino. So he introduced me to Adam Azer. And then the rest is history. It just kind of There started. you go the ball started rolling there with CBS sports and and that's how I got to where I am. Oh man. Oh, what what did you do with MSG again? So I was doing like their, uh, I guess it was called, it was like sponsored by FanDuel. was like their line to line. It was like the pregame betting show for the Knicks game. So, and I'm a Knicks fan too. Like that's, what's crazy about it is look, I love baseball. I love the Yankees, but actually my first love, is the Knicks and and basketball. I grew up playing both sports, basketball and baseball. So I am super passionate about both of them. And obviously fantasy basketball is nowhere near the behemoth that fantasy baseball is. I kind of wish that it was. But yeah, I, I love both sports. Basketball is actually my first love.
1: I mean, Frank, I, I don't know if you know this, but if you look at the subreddits of fantasy baseball and fantasy basketball, I think they're the same size, if not basketball, actually being larger which is absolutely shocking to me. So there is, it is a larger market than I, than I at least assumed it would be. It's very, Uh, it's very niche in that way
2: that like the people who
1: play fantasy basketball are super passionate about it. And it's right.
2: They're all like deep dynasty leagues, like all these crazy rules and stuff. I'm in one now with Michael Waterloo and it's, it's a lot of fun, but uh, yeah, I think like fantasy baseball probably more mainstream, but you're right about that. Like there is an audience for fantasy basketball, but it's like very niche.
1: Yeah, did you work with Sam Simmons at MSG? Sam Simmons, the name, the producer, uh, glasses. Uh, all right. Um, I mean, I did the I did the MSG thing with them for like you know for for DraftKings yeah, for right, right, of baseball right. the summer of 2019. So I'm not sure if that was actually like you that off season for for basketball, if it was before then. I don't know. We almost crossed paths there, Frank. Yes. We're so close.
2: Yeah, we almost did. Um, I remember you doing that too. You did. You worked with Brian Fonseca, right? Oh, he's amazing. I love that guy so much. Yeah, absolutely. What's funny about that small world is that I went to high school and college with Brian Fonseca. Is that
1: right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's such a great dude. Great dude. Uh, I felt so lucky to be able to do that with him. Um, and, yeah, and Thomas Hale. who was the video. He was like the guy in the room with us. He just he's the one who like recorded the video and then actually made the the stuff. I mean, it was the three of us. We had like our little own moment doing those DraftKings, you know, those 15 minute things, 10, 15 minutes. And, you know, you forget about those things. Like when you whenever all these little projects, you have actually the close people that you work together with to put something out. And, you know, those are just moments in our lives. But that was that was really fun. I loved that trio. We felt like the Three Musketeers gang. This is done for. I mean, it was for MSG and for you know plug for DraftKings, but whatever. It was our plug for DraftKings, and it was great. <laughs> this is not yeah. sponsored by DraftKings, by the way. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> moving moving on from that, uh, you gave a lot of things I want to touch on inside of the resume too. Um, you said you had a thesis uh, in college. So so walk me through this. Where did you go, and what was you know what was your major?
2: Yeah, so I went for, to St. Francis College in Brooklyn. Mm. It's yeah. If you've ever passed it it's in downtown Brooklyn you wouldn't even know that you passed it it's like a hole in the wall it's kind of like Oh I know it. school. Yeah, it's super small there's like lockers inside it's legitimately like a high school. So mm-hmm. uh, I I kind of like that intimate setting where there wasn't a lot of people and stuff. Uh, I I do kind of regret not going away for college but at the same time I enjoyed my time there quite a bit. Um, sure. and so like I guess my thesis was a lot of people have to write like whatever, a 20, 30-page thesis paper. And I kind of just presented this where I wanted to make a video series. My idea at the time was I wanted to make the sports center of Fantasy Sports. That's sure, what I yeah. do. And right. I took the green screen in the basement. They, they gave me all the equipment, the camera, the tripod, all the audio equipment that I needed. And again, go look it up. Like, it's brutal. It's like, in I high will, height, it's, it's like... The production it will
1: be. Part, great. If for well, those wondering right now, you can check the podcast notes. There is a link to Frank's video inside of that. that. Absolutely, <laughs> I'll, I'll make sure that's there later. I can I mean, I'm going to be. That's the first thing I'm going to do when I'm off of this. Yeah, can't wait.
2: Um, <laughs> so basically, I did about, I want to say five of these, and I would make a bunch of graphics, and mm-hmm. it was. It's kind of like a lot of what you see going on now in the fantasy industry. It was just like DIY 10 years ago. And right, right. it's like in hindsight, like I'm kind of ragging on it now, but I am still pretty proud of it, like what it was at the time. And oh, of course, so I, yeah, I was just like, how can I do Yeah, you know, growing up? I wanted to be a professional athlete. I'm five, mm-hmm. nine, 170 pounds. Like I, it just wasn't going to happen. It, I sure, wouldn't yeah. be a professional <laughs> athlete. So I'm like, what's the next best thing? What do I love the most? And fantasy sports was like, OK, it was that opportunity to right, you know, run a franchise, run, you know, your own sports team and stuff. So that's always what I wanted to do. I always like, how do I how can I find a way to get paid to do this? And, Definitely. And basically, that that was the that was the the cause, the um, the point of my thesis at that point is that's how that's what I wanted to do. So. Right. And so, I,
1: yeah. I, I want to give you credit for this because, I mean, I take for granted the fact that like you know, over this off season, I said, okay, you know what, Nick, you want to, you're going to turn this room into, you know, place to actually make videos and, and podcasts and everything. So I can just get a green screen. Here you go. Load up my free OBS. And there's a chroma key thing. I mean, great. There is done. Get some lights. It's over. I can put this out into the world and wonderful resolution. And it's the easiest thing ever. This is 10 years ago where it, the information isn't as good out there to figure out how you're supposed to do it. As far as even if you want any sort of graphics, there's there's a lot more rugged tools than there are now. I mean, it takes a lot of hard work to put something out there 10 years ago when it wasn't nearly as saturated as it is today. So I do want to give you props. But I haven't seen it yet. I'm already giving you props, but that's okay. I'm willing to do that for you, Frank. I appreciate. Uh, it. <laughs> and what was so so to be able to do a thesis like this? What kind of major was it? Journalism or yeah, I, yeah. It was communications, film, and okay. broadcasting. Oh, there so, you go. Yeah, I, I worked in the school
2: newspaper as well. I was the sports editor there. Uh, St. Francis College is a Division One school. Fun fact: one of the only, I think it's like one of ten Division One college basketball teams that have never made the ncaa tournament march madness so not really the best thing to be known for but <laughs> um we yeah i covered a few sports there basketball their water polo team was like super awesome so oh, nice I learned a lot about like writing there and and management obviously being the sports editor and uh, yeah so film and broadcasting i got into like all these trippy movies. I would take these film classes. I was watching like Requiem for a dream and all this weird stuff. And like writing a bunch of papers about that drive. Great movie, Ryan Gosling Mm -hmm. there. Uh, So like there's a lot of mainstream movies that I haven't seen, but I've also seen a bunch of like weird trippy movies. So sure. I'm about that. Uh, But yeah, film and broadcasting was my major, did some stuff with the newspaper. um, And I presented that as like my thesis. And yeah, you're right. Like trying to figure out how to use green screen back then was, it was a lot of, post-production at the time. So sure. Adobe Premiere, like figuring out like the chroma key and, and stuff like that. And it's a little bit different now than like with OBS and like, Hey, you could just pull it up on your zoom. Like just click the green screen setting. It's unreal. We didn't have that back in, I guess I graduated college in 2013. So like eight years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So it was, it, was a little
2: bit different. it was a little bit different back then.
1: Absolutely. And if for someone that is, you know, jumping into this now, you know, that, that is trying to get into some sort of, you know, video content and even stuff for themselves and their friends. Uh, what kind of advice would you give people uh, when they are trying to create a video? That's just not as simple as like, okay, get a good camera or get some good lighting. But actually, when it comes to the tools and the direction, you would send people to be able to put out something good.
2: Yeah, so you mentioned OBS is one of the tools there. We're currently on Streamyard, talking it out. I think Streamyard has mm-hmm. a great product as well. And you know, I've actually gone back to my college and and I talked to some of the students, and I said. You're living in, in an era, an age where you can, you have everything at your fingertips. You can do, if you want to create your own podcast, it's easier now than ever before. You want to create a YouTube channel. And I say it's easy, like it's not easy, obviously. Like there are obstacles that you have to overcome, but I'm saying it's easier now than it ever has been. So if you want to, Set up something in your house. If you have a room, a little bit, a corner, an office, whatever you want to do, you can get a camera. You can get a green screen. You can just make a nice little backdrop, like something that I have behind me. Put a a couple of Funko Pops behind you and make a setup that way. Find your best moment in baseball, basketball history. Get a poster of it. Put it behind (laughs) you. You know, just have fun with it. And and that's really the, the, the main part of it, Nick, is, and you've probably heard this a lot, is like, you just have to be passionate about it, right? Like, if you... Feel passionate about fantasy baseball or all of your fantasy baseball teams or the Yankees or the Mets or whatever sport or anything. If you're passionate about it, like people are going to hear that in your voice. Like, as long as oh, you're genuine and you're passionate about it and you're creative, that's another thing. Like, obviously, I think trying to find a way to separate yourself, which is something, Nick, that you do better than <laughs> most
1: people. Honestly, I got very lucky that I got to. Like I I fell into that and it just happened to be, oh, hey, gifts are something that everyone is terrified of. So here, I guess this is the thing I'm going to do. And I just got lazy. I was like, I don't want to talk about hitters. (laughs) I just want to talk. I don't even want to talk about relievers. I I just want to talk about starting pitching and don't bother me about other things, you know. So I, I got very fortunate that I could do that.
2: Yeah. No. So, but you do a great job with that. And not only, but like the nicknames that you use for stuff and like (laughs) dodgeritis and the King Cole, like I'm reading the SP roundup and really cool feature now that you have on on the website where you can just kind of like click on it and it tells you the description. So that's really awesome. But you, you get that aspect of it where like, you kind of have to find a way to separate yourself. So I would say like creativity, being passionate about things. And as long as you have that, like people are going to hear it in your voice.
1: Yeah, there's um, I think the thing that we kind of forget about a lot and uh, I I certainly lose sight of it at times is at the end of the day, everything that you're creating, uh, if you're able to you you can go about it two ways. You can make it so that either the content itself, like the words themselves are the innate value Um, that is the information I give you about this guy is going to be amazing or i uh, you know or you shouldn't be doing this or whatever that is the only thing that they, that has value for what you're doing or if it's actually the the you know you yourself creating the content if that is the product instead of being prophetic or i uh, or being the most i don't know the most creative in the words i'm saying this really terribly uh but what i'm trying to get at is the more that you can be yourself and be authentic with that and if you can make that work, it makes so much, so many more doors open for you. Because then you get to do things that you want to do. And then there, that carries over from everything else. And so all those stupid jokes, I mean, are literally me one day saying, I don't care anymore. I, th- I think this is stupid and hilarious. And I'm just going to do that as opposed to sounding like another textbook um, that just doesn't have any character or, or own voice. So yeah, so you get golden goal and you get uh, coffee cakes for JT Brew Baker because I think that's absolutely hilarious and stupid. Yeah. And I recognize that maybe five percent of the people reading it, you know, uh-huh. will understand exactly what I'm getting at. But that's okay because it's about you know that's ultimately what you're doing with everything that you do is that you are the product, not necessarily you know the exact words that are coming out. Um, so, I mean, when you make that, you know, when you made that thing of you in the, you know, uh, your green screen, your thesis, that's you, you know, it's not necessarily, I'm not gonna look back at that and think, oh, Hey, w- how correct was he? Like, no, man, it's entertainment. It's you having a good time with it. And that's ultimately what matters.
2: Yeah. And, and I will just point out, <laughs> I'm probably so critical about what I did back then because it's completely different than who I am now. Like <laughs> lack of confidence. It was, sure, I- yeah. Nervous, I'm like shaking underneath the table, like you can't see it and stuff. But uh, I, I think something you brought up there is the fact that you kind of just said, "Screw it, I'm going to do something that I like, that I find fun, and people are going to be able to resonate with that." And uh, what you were talking about, it, it was easy for me to relate to just now. It's you know, you can either try to find a way to, all right, is it the analysis that you excel at a lot, or is it the you know you being a genuine person and for me, I don't think that I am the best at either of those things, but I think that I bring a good amount from both of them, if that makes right. sense. So I, obviously we're all diving into numbers and stuff. And and really when it comes to like fantasy baseball in particular, so much of it is analytical. You, you, you kind of have to, bring energy and and passion for people to be able to enjoy listening to it. Because again, it's like a lot of it is, Hey, we're talking about spin rates and we're talking about swinging strikes and we're talking about XFIP and we're
1: talking about uh, expected batting. And Frank, you you promised me you wouldn't mention spin rates on this podcast. (laughs) I had to do it
2: at (laughs) least (laughs) once. You can't do a baseball podcast without saying spin rates. But I think that's what, uh, you know, I try to do personally is, Mm -hmm. I want to be really good at the analytical side of things, but at the same time, I want to bring energy and I want people to say like, hey, I I don't want to go over too over the top. So it is a fine line, but I want people to say like, at least I didn't just watch or listen to a super dull product like that. It's enter-
1: it's entertainment, you know, and you do a really, really good job, I think. Of, um, you know, look at look at CBS, uh, you know, fantasy baseball today, like Chris Towers and, um, and Scott White, really smart guys doing this for ages. You know they they go through all that stuff, and not to say that you haven't had that kind of resume, but your role in that isn't to be the one that whips out all the stuff and puts them in their place. You are the voice of everyone listening, and your job is to navigate this through and ask the right questions. Um, keep that energy alive. You know, pull the right actionable information out of what they're saying, and that's a hard role too. It, 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 it as everyone navigates this. Uh, you know, look at look at me and even Alex and Alex fast, even like now fast is like, OK, he he's he's teaching me every single podcast, you know, um, but I but in the very beginning, I, you know, he was his whole role. And he even said this to me, he's like, I want to do a podcast where, you know, I set him up, you knock him down. And his whole thing is gearing it in the right way and getting into the, the mind of someone listening to what I'm saying and being critical about that and really getting something that is actually tangible. And that's not easy to do. It really isn't, um, and to do that in a way, as you mentioned, that is interesting, not dull, and, and keeps it alive and fun, and that's all that we want when we do fantasy baseball. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be a good time, so yes, I'm going to be really dumb at times and start guys on their MLB debuts, even though it's not not a good thing to do. It's really fun to all of a sudden cheer for someone that you haven't cheered for before and have been waiting for them, so that's at the end of the day. you got to have fun. I know. Look at us, huh? <laughs> Telling people to have fun with what they do. Crazy, inspiring stuff. No, I'm just messing around. I, but I, I mean, would you, would you adhere to that? Like, you've fallen more into that host role now. I think with you and Greg in that, you guys bounced it back and forth more. Um, I think you're incredibly talented at how you do it. Is that When you look at yourself moving forward, is it just in that host role? Or is it, no, no, I want to be more of that, you know, the guy that they turn to for it unless of the one that's serving it out. Yeah,
2: I appreciate the kind words again here, Nick. But um I I'm trying to be like this hybrid role, which is maybe not what the the audience for fantasy baseball today is used to because Adam Azer, who look the guy I would say second to none, I think he's probably like the best host in the fantasy industry. And I go back and listen to podcasts that he did two, three years ago. Like I'm very self-conscious about my ability to host because before this i wasn't really just a general host like i, I would do right. few things here at like other stops and places that i've been but i was never just a full-on host so admittedly this is kind of like thrown into the fire and it's a learning experience for myself and I, i'm still learning things every single day and I, i'm again i'm very critical so i go back and i listen to a lot and while i'm editing i'll be like well why did i say this why did i ask this question Uh, next time I want to ask this question instead. So I I do go back and listen to a lot of things that I do, but ultimately I'm trying to like blend the two together. And and I think when they brought me on, they knew what they were getting into. Like they knew I wasn't just like a pure host. That's just going to like, okay, yes, your job is to steer the the conversation and ask the right questions. But at the same time, they do want me to push back and they want me to give my opinion on things. So I'm still trying to find that because again, that is a fine line between you got to steer the show. You got to keep things moving and, honestly, the thing that I struggle with most is probably timing because I'll I'll spend too much time on one topic and then I won't leave enough time later on in the podcast for other things that I want to talk about. So it's still a learning experience, but uh, yeah, I'm trying to marry those two together actually, Nick, with, with being that host and that analyst uh, at the same time.
1: Well, I mean, you do a great job with it and, uh, (laughs) and moving forward. So, so here you are now, you're at CBS. Um, and for many people, I mean, this would be like, this is it, this is what I want to be doing. Um, and it, the answer can be that, you know, I don't want to say that you have to have other ambitions or goals because this is a fantastic place that you've reached. Is there something for Frank five, 10 years ahead that you're thinking, okay, that's the kind of position I want to be in, in the future.
2: If it's, if that is out there, then I don't know about it yet. Is Hmm. basically how I will put it because this is what I've always wanted to do. It's I sent the, the, those green screen videos that I made back in college to Nando Defino and Adam mazer when they were working together on the fantasy baseball today podcast, both at CBS sports and Nando actually responded to me with criticism. And I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. Like I would never imagine he probably had something like 20, 25,000 Twitter followers at the time. And I was just some nobody guy with like a fantasy blog who was in college making videos in my basement. And I sent it to Nando and he actually responded. And ever since then I was like, Nando's awesome. Adam Azer, not so much. No, I'm kidding. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I I always just, I listened to to that podcast. I really did. Like genuinely speaking, that was like the first podcast I listened to. And that's what I wanted to do. I was like, I want to be on that podcast. I want to be paid to be on a fantasy baseball podcast. So right now, technically it's going to sound cheesy. It's going to sound corny. Like I am living my dream. And it's kind of weird to realize it at the time. Like that self-realization, like pull yourself out of it out of it and then like actually take in the moment. And I, I try to do that at times, but it really is hard. I think it's easier to, when you get past something, you, you look at it in hindsight and you're like, wow, that was really awesome that I was able to do that. But th- like, I, I love what I'm doing right now. So if there is something down the line, I don't know about it, but very happy where I'm at, Nick.
1: Well, I do, Frank. And that's actually beating me in a week of Tout Wars as you lost last week to this guy. Yeah. Uh, but... <laughs> Uh, oh, man, I'm just kidding. Not- You're on top, man. You're winning right now. Hey, like actually. So I, my first exposure to
2: fantasy baseball, this might sound weird for some people because the traditionalist, everyone plays like Roto leagues or whatever was head to head points. I, mm-hmm. I like the first league that I played in my longest standing homekeeper league. It's a head to head points league. And I love the format. I think there's a lot of crossover between fantasy baseball and fantasy football. Like if we're trying to expand the fantasy baseball audience, The best way to do it, I think, is to, hey, come over and play head-to-head points, learn about fantasy baseball, and then if you want to transition into other formats, fine. But like this is the easiest way to pick up fantasy baseballs to play in head-to-head points leagues, and I love it. And, and so far, I like knock on wood, I haven't suffered too many injuries in tower wars, and that's why I've been able to uh, sit at the top. But you're right, man. You took me down last week.
1: We I know out. it's about time. Oh man, I <laughs> uh, I think you beat me the first week or something like that. Uh, and by the way, everyone could tell when you knocked. That was not wood. That was metal. All right, so so this
2: is a, this is a standing. <laughs> this is like an adjustable standing desk because <laughs> I sit so long that throughout sure. the day I'll just I'll, I'll move it up to whatever a five foot desk and uh, mm-hmm. I'll just stand and work for a little bit. But it's it's pretty cool actually. Huh? I, I, it. Know, I I
1: was I was thinking about getting one uh, for this room as I got a new desk for it. And at the end of the day, I I figured there's just too much stuff on it. Uh, For me to really like trust raising it every day, I've got like multiple monitors, other cameras, the lights. I've got, it's just, I can't, I couldn't really get around the idea that this was going to be a standing one that lifted up. So I was like, all right, you know what? I'm just going to do a standard one and then pace in my kitchen about an hour every single day. Nick, where are you in your house? Because, (laughs) <laughs> I own this room and I'm super intrigued by it. I'm like, did you just rent out a garage somewhere? And- oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, no, I'm very fortunate that I have a two bedroom in park slope that I, uh, I had a roommate for ages and essentially the beginning of quarantine. Um, I was in an office like a, like a, we work, it was called the yard. And I, uh, they, uh, they essentially wanted to charge through quarantine. Um, and I was like, this is ridiculous. Absolutely not. We can't actually go into the office. Uh, so whatever I was paying for that office, actually I moved just into paying for this apartment as my then roommates moved out in May of 2020. So it worked out really well, and this is actually my old bedroom where I took the the smaller bedroom and I now live in that one. And I just converted this second bedroom into this yeah video podcasting studio now where I just do all my work. It's awesome. kind of wild, yeah. It's it, this is why Fast calls it the murder room. Uh We have. We have these sound panels on both sides. I have a shag carpet on the bottom. I actually have sound panels on the ceiling, too. I also have these two windows. I actually get good natural sunlight, and I can't have that. So I have a moving blanket across the entire thing to do more noise suppression or echo or sound dampening, I should say. So it's, it's really weird walking from like the main, you know, the living room. It's like kitchen as one into this. You don't realize how echoey that is. And then you yep. step into here and it just the sound dies. It, it's really remarkable. So I'm very lucky that I get to do all this stuff inside of here um, and give one shot. All the time, no one else sees anything else. Just this one shot that is like panels are falling down, and I got. You know, I don't have. I don't have a moment like John Starks dunking against the Bulls, Frank. Okay, I assume that's what that is. By the way, yeah. what else would it be? Of course,
2: it is. That's right.
1: Yeah. I mean, what, I remember. What would I was, that I was, moment was, be for you? What would that moment
2: be for you? Like, what's the sports moment, <laughs> Nick Pollock? That if you hung it up behind you, what would
1: it be? Oh man, I have. I don't know. Uh, David that's Cohen's that's perfect game. Are you you are a Yankees fan, right? Or oh, I wanted to be happy in life at five years old. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, I mean, we both we both grew up in, in New York City, right? Yes. Uh, where about were you?
2: I was born and raised in Ridgewood, Queens. So oh yeah, in Queens. You know, I should have been a Mets fan, blah blah blah. But yeah, but you I, were smart. My dad and my my whole family they were all Yankees fans. So it's mm. that's usually how it works, right? Whatever whatever your family is, that's that's what you grow into.
1: My dad was a Met fan. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I really think it was a situation. I'm not even kidding. I joke about being ha- want to be happy in life. My sister, I have an older sister, two and a half years, and I think at one moment she said that she liked the Yankees, and I was four or five or so, and all of a sudden I like the Yankees, and that was it. I didn't go back. You know, my dad didn't really understand it. My first games were at you know at Shea Stadium. I have the the pin of the first ever Rockies game. I think it was. Because their first game was in 1993 at Shea Stadium, maybe it was Florida. No, I think it was it was Rockies. Anyway, I should have been a Met fan, but I persisted. I could be denied, and yeah, David Cohn, it's a perfect game. Like he was my favorite pitcher and everything. So that's probably that moment for me. All the World Series are just ah, we we won them all. You know, whatever. Are you still a Yankees fan now? Because you don't mm-hmm. let it come through in your
2: analysis. Good. Oh, thank God. <laughs> People call I mean, me out all the time, Nick. Because do they. I- I'm like kind of obnoxious. I play this soundbite. I don't know if it's gonna come through.
0: Oh my goodness. Oh yeah.
1: Oh, that's that's Roger Clemens. Oh yeah, I know that. I play that on the podcast all the time, and people hate it. They hate it. <laughs> I mean, so I, I kind of hate it too. I'm a Yankee fan, and it's such
2: a like a. It's so it's so uh, cringy. It's like so bad that it's good. That's how not, I always. That's how I always describe John Sterling and Susan Waldman. Like, oh no, of like yes. Technically, they are. I would say that they are talented broadcasters. They've been around for a oh, very of course. long time. But absolutely. There are times where like there's a play going on and they have no idea what's going on. And they're like, well, Susan, I don't know why they're shifting in baseball. This is kind of ridiculous to me. And, you know, it's like that that whole old guard get off my lawn kind of thing yep. uh, where, you know, we're basically completely different generation of, of baseball analysis mm-hmm. here. But they're like so bad at this point that they're good. And <laughs> actually that's how I consume a lot of my baseball games is I, I still listen to Yankees radio and uh, I enjoy it, but yeah, I mean,
1: his, his nice. voice. Okay. Sterling's voice is fantastic. The actual voice is, it's such a, oh, it, and, and look, I'm not the one that cringes at the home run calls. I love it. I love that character. And, and what, that's great. You know, add something new and different. It's silly. It's whatever. I, I love that stuff. Um, it's I think as I've gotten older, you know, and like what I want to talk about and what I want to know about during a game is different than what you know it used to be. I think that's really where my perception comes. I mean, of like, eh, I'm not a huge fan of them anymore. Yeah. Um, I will say this. Uh, Fast and I um, have called some games, right? We like did our live broadcast and live watching parties of a World Series game or a World uh, Wild Card, all that kind of stuff, too. It's not easy calling a game it is it is really really hard and you know i i I was very lucky to talk to jason benetti about it and hearing him talk about like you gotta have your phrases you gotta you know know you practice the words over and over again listen back to yourself you do i mean you're doing exactly this when it comes to re-listening to podcasts why do you ask this question you should ask that one there's a huge skill set necessary to be able to call a game and I mean more on the call instead of the color commentary. I could do that. Whatever. That's easy. I'm not, (laughs) I just like, Oh yeah, that was great. You know, that's easy. Actually calling a game play by play is so difficult. Yeah. And as much as, you know, I can't really hate on them so much because they, they, they know how to do it. They know how to call a game Yeah. Uh, and they do that well. I I do want to, I do want to make the point though about that sound bite. It's Roger Clemens. Everyone, I imagine, everyone listening knows about the moment when Roger Clemens finally announces he's going to return to the New York Yankees for an, an exorbitant amount of money, starting in like June or something like that. In the most ridiculous thing, yes. um, this was like what 2003 or something along those lines. Sounds about right. And I, I tried to even get like an understanding of today. Could we even react in that way about any pitcher? There's no way, right? There's something so I don't know legendary about that yeah. stupid moment. <laughs> I guess like if Bartolo Colon just like kind of walked out onto the field. What? Camp,
2: <laughs> You're like, "Oh my god,
1: it's Bartolo." Oh, Colon. And then back. yeah, and then it's a close game and you go, "Oh no." <laughs> This isn't going to end well. But yeah, it's it's just uh, such a crazy thing and I understand there was so much hype about it and yeah. it felt like Clemens was the savior and this was we were we needed pitching and oh man, we need the best pitcher, Roger Clemens. So I, I you know I I will never hate on Susan for like the emotion of that because that's great.
2: Yeah, that's no, you know. it was genuine and it was just yeah. it was a crazy moment in baseball history. And, and to me, I'm also like growing up, I was a huge wrestling fan and it, and it kind of had like mm. wrestling vibes to it, right? Where like oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah. God, yeah, he's in he's in George Steinbrenner's block, <laughs> and uh, it was just like it, it was kind of like a swerve in wrestling, right? Where like you just don't see it coming or like a wrestler returning that like you haven't seen in forever. And for me, I always kind of relate it to something like that and uh it was it was like an awesome no, moment in baseball history
1: you know i gotta i gotta say this about susan moment too um to be the the color commenter for uh for a baseball team for so long yeah despite of course all you know uh all reason not to considering she's a red sox fan now this has a boston accent uh, is just shocking to me. I, I, I couldn't I can't believe it, you know, and it's amazing that she's been able to do that. Like it's just the Yankees having a, a, a Boston accent, it's just and she's made it work. She's done it. It's great. She, like she is a props too.
2: Like I say, okay, they're so bad that they're good. It's not like me ragging on what they've done because again they are accomplished broadcasters and oh right yeah it's just like you know some of the times when you hear like they lose track of like where the ball is and stuff like okay like come on you're, you're calling a baseball game on radio like you should know what's happening but she she's a pioneer like she's oh, hey, absolutely yeah ever. and for like okay homer yankee fan whatever for you know the biggest brand in sports for for yeah. the yankees so uh, I, mean, I mean it is what yeah. it is and she's she's a pioneer so
1: yeah i mean I'm, I'm being facetious of course like what i was really saying was the fact that it's a female broadcaster in this yes. position um but really really it's the boston accent i can't i can't get over that you know how could she do that No, that, that it's it's amazing and i uh, yeah, it just felt i mean to me as a kid just like oh yeah right of course there's you know a woman in the broadcast booth why wouldn't there be right mm-hmm. and for you know for her to do that for all of, i think that's a fantastic thing um but uh, but yeah so you you grew up in new york city as well Um, Knicks fan, clearly, too. You're saying basketball is your number one thing. You know, you would think it would be for me, too, considering that, you know, if they were called the Franks, you know, you would be a giant fan of them, too, right? But they're the Knicks for me, and I just, you know, after that heartbreak, I think of, uh, who was it? It was was, um, Charlie Ward and uh, Chris Childs, I think they were, right? The the point guards for the Knicks back in, like, 99? Yep. And that was it. That was it. Once that happened, and they didn't win that time, I was like, I'm done. I'm out. Well, so, it was
2: a great time to leave
1: the organization. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, the next
2: two decades would be filled with uh, despair. Oh and man, ridiculousness and a circus, a freak show. <laughs> and it's just until right now, in this moment, in the year 2021, where the Knicks are just kind of climbing back into relevancy because they've changed their front office, and hopefully James Dolan doesn't, you know, get his hands on anything or, or you know try to get involved, but. New front office and and a new coach and Tom Thibodeau and they got young players and all their draft picks and I don't think we want to talk about basketball here but it, no it, it but is but uh, yes but no I it's mean it's look, a good time I, to be a Knicks fan it's it's very rewarding sure. after decades of of being terrible
1: I, I hope so I hope it is we've I've heard that before okay I mean. I remember uh, Linsanity, of course, watched during that because how could you not? And I think that season they went on to get swept by Boston um, in the first round and everyone was so excited about it. And I remember the situation, I think we were the eighth seed or something like that, maybe the seven, whatever, we faced Boston. I remember going to a friend's place for this, like this is such a waste of time, like it doesn't, (laughs) like we're not, we're going to lose every one of these games and we cared so much and it was just, oh man. It's so sad. Like, why can't we? Why can't we get like an actual, like, real, real star? I don't I, I guess we have one this year, right? It was Randall.
2: Yeah, Julius Randall. Yeah. Was he
1: actually like that good? Yeah, he was amazing. He made the uh, second team All NBA, so he was mm, the second. NBA. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I, I I will. I promise at some point I'll get back into basketball. I'm sh- I'm sure that's amazing that Randall was that good. I just. Uh, yeah, they, uh, they've they hurt for so long. So I, I guess I kind of block it out so much. But I don't blame you, man. It's like, why would you...
2: It, it's the definition of insanity, right? Is doing this mm. thing over and over and expecting a different ro- uh, result. Sure. Like, why am I watching this team and supporting <laughs> them for so long? And like, yeah. I don't know. I grew up, loved basketball. Nick's were my team and I'm gonna stick by them. I'm yeah. very big, by the way, Nick, if you haven't realized. You have to... Be a sports fan of the geographic location that you live in. I am very big on that because to me, there's like a pride aspect of it. There's, you know, when you go to high school, there's pep rallies and, you know, there's pride. There's pride involved with, sure. this is my team. This is where I'm from. This is uh, who I want to root for. Mm -hmm. Look, if you don't like the players, you don't like the owner, like, okay, whatever. I get it. I also grew up, I was a huge Kobe Bryant fan, so I, I won't deny that. But the
1: Knicks were still always my team yeah I understand that. Uh, I will say if uh, in any city, really, to f- be a te- uh, fan of another team, it's New York City because there's a bar for everything. Yes, uh, and you will find your people to have that pep rally to have you know, to 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 watch games and feel that sense of camaraderie because that's really what the beauty of sports is. You know, you have community uniting under one thing. You know, when you go to a game, what makes that so exciting? You're going to Didi Gregorius's three run homer against Irvin Santana.
2: Oh, I just got it was, when you said Yeah, it.
1: <laughs> were you there? I was at that game.
2: No, oh, I wasn't there, but I was. I was watching my basement screaming like a, <laughs>
1: like a, like a crazy. Yeah, storm. right. <laughs> it was. It was something else, and the the excitement of it wasn't just like the Yankees are tied in the first inning. It was. Everyone, you know, in that entire stadium was jumping. I think know? That's
2: probably the loudest the new Yankee Stadium has been. Yeah, since it's been built.
1: It was something. It was it was truly something in my bleacher seats down the left field line. You know, it was oh, and like that's why you're there. You know, and that, that sense of and I understand like you, if you're in that city, you should you know grab on to that as much as you can because it's that's the beauty of sports in many ways. And that celebration and failure all together is, oof, you got to have both. It doesn't work if you don't have both. Um, I want to shift here, though, from away from sports, because you mentioned you're a film major, and you you clearly have some passion with film. So I'm I'm curious, first of all, what's the best? Well, I'm not even going to do that. What is the best film that no one has watched? Hmm. So...
2: I brought up Requiem for a Dream earlier and sure. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's it's, it's a pretty it's a pretty graphic. Uh, it's a pretty graphic I, film. Like it's
1: not to watch graphic. that in health class in ninth grade. Did you really? Yes. Wow. I don't know why they like like, oh, yeah, well, let's just traumatize all the students <laughs> completely Seriously. so they never touch drugs. That's essentially was their idea behind it. It was. Okay. Yeah. And they had oh, some yeah, I mean, scenes I, that they should not be showing. In, in so that you guys film.
2: watched the completely uncut version of this in yep. ninth grade. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Well, that um, <laughs> that's that is really something. But yeah. uh, <laughs> so, like, there's a ton of classic movies, Nick, that I just haven't seen. That like, if I go, I can name ten right now. Like. All the Jurassic Park movies I've never seen, uh, the Terminator movies I've never seen, Lord of the Rings I've never seen. It's just Frank. like, it goes on and on and on. So like, I'm not really a film major. I guess it was more of like the broadcasting side of things. Yeah, film. okay, that makes sense. But there were there were things that like, I did gravitate towards while I was doing this and like, Limitless was a really cool movie with Bradley Cooper and I, I kind of just like these trippy, I guess drug movies and uh, like. Don't worry, guys. Like I'm good. Like he's <laughs> 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 going on in my life, but I don't know. Like they're really interesting for me. So mm-hmm. like, anything that Darren Aronofsky has filmed too, like he's no oh, man far away. Like my favorite director, like he's amazing. The wrestler I thought was like a really, really fun movie as well. Black Swan is another one that's really cool. So like those are movies that stand out to me. And, and of course you have your classics like Fight Club and I really just like movies like that. that like mess with your mind and they make you think mementos and other like really cool mm-hmm. movie too. Pulp Fiction. Uh, so I, I really gravitate towards movies like that. And uh, maybe it's because like these just, I'm not going to say generic, but you know, like the There's transformer movies and, and okay, yeah. Jurassic Park and you know, like mainstream movies, like they're fine and I'm sure that they're good, but like, I don't know. I'd, I'd rather watch like movies that stimulate your mind or something like that. Sure.
1: Yeah, and so those are candy, right? Like the the Marvel movies and stuff like that. Those are they're really good kids. They're still really good. Like I just yeah.
2: been rewatching all of them again and right.
1: they're awesome. But that's I mean there's you know, there's certain movies that that stick with you a lot more. Um for whatever reason, I think you know the best films are the ones that uh, are, I mean that they they hit something emotional that really grabs you and makes you really think and understands the the perspective of what the film is trying to showcase and and express uh, so and then there's times when you're just like hey I just want to escape into something else and not you know and just like be a part of that and enjoy it, and that's there are a lot of fantastic movies for that. Maybe not Jurassic Park, yeah. but uh, but you know, Lord of the Rings. I think a lot of people feel that way about all the Star Wars stuff and yeah. uh, and, and Marvel as well. Um, and and another you know section of this you know, when it comes to the whole entertainment scope, another major one is uh, music, um, which I haven't really heard you mention at all. Uh, what kind of music are you into? Is music a major part of your life?
2: It's not. It's not major. I am definitely into music, and I've got a—I a probably something like five thousand songs on my phone, and and it's a wide variety. Nick, like I'm all over the place. So I death metal,
1: um, like, a lot of that.
2: I, you might say it jokingly, but like yeah, sure. Like I'm sh- like there is some death metal on here. It's is it uh, Opeth. <laughs> no, no, no. But I have like some Cannibal Corpse on my phone. Okay, okay. You know, I'm yeah. all over the place. Like, I love Metallica, far mm. and away. Like. Number one for me, I've seen them seven or eight times live in my life. I, I had oh, wow planned it out. Like I, I want a whole like leg sleeve with all their album covers. Like it's gonna happen eventually. I haven't gotten there yet, but uh, <laughs> love Metallica. But then it ranges all over the place. Like I saw Mac Miller live. Rest in peace. One of my favorites, Kid Cudi. I've seen live. So mm. I grew up listening to a lot of hip hop, Eminem, uh, Fifty Cent. But at the same time, I also had my dad who loves music. Like you walk into the house there, Nick, and he's got. Just CDs after CDs, and it's old school. It's not like okay, he has a Spotify playlist. Like he has just hanging all over his living room is CD after CD, and he's got like the old school vinyls, and he's huge into music, and a lot of it for him is like classic rock. So I grew up with a lot of that, and uh, and metal too. Like he loves Ozzy Osbourne and Black Sabbath, and I've seen. I've seen Ozzy live. I've seen Black Sabbath live with Dio as lead singer. They were known as oh, there. So, oh yeah. Oh I've, man, Dio is so good. It, the spectrum, it ranges wide. And I, I, I love going out dancing with like, my fiance and stuff. So we'll go out and we'll listen to like 80s house music and like mm-hmm. 90s freestyle. So it's, it's all over the place. And the one genre that I probably just cannot get into as hard as I try is country music. Well, yeah,
1: that's the, that's the standard. It, you know, when people say they listen to everything, I say, okay, death metal and country, and they go, okay, hold on,
2: I can listen to death metal. I can't. Yeah.
1: Do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that that doesn't surprise me. I think I think with every single genre, there's always. Um, <laughs> my dad had a phrase for it. It was um, uh, with everything good, there's a lot more, you know, uh, bad. I should say, uh, he said it a little bit more crass than that. But it's, with every single genre, there is that really good. Song or a couple of them or whatever that brings people in, sure, and then forces people to go explore that. And then, if you are a fan of that, then if that genre, then you'll actually enjoy all the other things. Uh, while the average person wouldn't, right? So, I, I think with country, even though I've never really jumped into it, there's a lot of it that I can certainly appreciate uh, and grab onto. Um, but yeah, I'm certainly not someone's like, Oh, yeah, let's put on that random country album now, definitely. let's rock that no that's that's not for me at all i mean like i even say my friends like i don't i don't really listen to hip-hop or rap or anything like that but the really good songs that yeah sure i'm down like that those that there's a reason why those are the best ones um but you know for the genres for me that i'm just like i can't get enough of uh or you know the hard rock progressive metal that kind of thing um there's so many interesting bands in that realm that that's just where i lie and that's and that's where that is. Um,
2: Who are you into really- most, like, in that genre? Like, have you, like, do you have one that you gravitate to? Or do you oh have, man, like, ones There's... that you've seen live multiple times or anything.
1: I mean, I, I've said it many times on, on on this, but like Devin Townsend. I'm a huge Alter Bridge fan and Dream Theater and Porcupine Tree and Pineapple Thief, Muse. Uh, Vola just put out like the best album. Uh, they're this progressive metal band, I think, from Denmark. Um, and oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just you know that that's kind of my thing, and I will constantly just be searching i mean it's, I can't tell you how many songs I have on my iTunes, but I want to say it's I want to say it's like thirty five thousand wow, something like that it's not yeah, it's a lot it's all it's a lot from over the years, so um, it's just things that I just pick up here and there and then just kind of keeps growing um and I've only recently have been like, all right, fine, I guess I'll just start using Spotify instead. <laughs> I uh, but I but yeah that, that's certainly um, you know when it comes to music it's a, it's interesting to hear everybody has their own perspective of it because why we like the music we do is a very interesting topic and weird and there's no good answer for it uh, and you know the amount of judgment that a lot of people sling around about music is so silly uh, it's just not it's just not right um, I want to say mention really quickly I actually sold a guitar to Kid Cudi what <laughs> there's a longer Ow. story to this i uh, but it was like my first month at guitar center and i didn't know who kid cuddy was <laughs> this was 2010 you- and oh, he called oh, yeah. him give me your card scott mescody who are you yeah, miss cootie <laughs> is what i said and i uh, uh, he called me yeah he called himself scott i was like i just called him scott you know wow And yeah, and I remember actually like going home, like texting my friends like, hey, do you know Scott Mascuti? (laughs) He goes like, you mean Kid Cudi? Wow. Maybe. That's awesome. (laughs) But there's, yeah, there's a much longer thing that I don't want to like, you know, out or whatever, talk about Kid Cudi in that way. But it was, it was a fun exchange. Uh, He's he's cool. I I, I dug him a lot. Really nice guy. Uh, and I just, just one of those stupid things like I didn't deserve to meet Kid Cuddy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like it was so wasted on me, uh, and I felt bad about that. But I recognize like he's done some really cool things. So you know, a good music is good music, and that's that's a very cool thing. i uh, want I wanna to I wanna ask more about Frank now, Frank the person, Frank the human. And one of my favorite questions, uh, do you have any life mantras, anything that any like quotes or just any way of being? that you constantly say to yourself?
2: I don't think so in, in in terms of a mantra, but I just, I, I, so you mentioned this to me in DM and I, and I kind of thought about it a little bit more and I'm like, well, well, what, what is like that driving force for me? Right. And growing up, like my parents worked a lot. They, Hmm. they would work graveyard shifts, my dad would take care of me dur- during the day. My mom would be home at night. She would work during the day. He would work at night and stuff. They would work weekends and they worked a lot. So I, I think just kind of growing up and being around that is that they kind of instilled this hard work mentality into me, which I'm gonna sign. it's going to sound cliche or whatever. But I, I think like that. that's really where I'm at. Like it, it's it's kind of bad at times, Nick, because there are times where I, I just kind of, I want to relax and I just like, you know, I want to like play MLB the show and I want to play a video game. And, and there are times where I do it and, you know, watch TV here and there and stuff. But like a lot of the time, if I'm not working or, or trying to look into the latest baseball thing or read about what's going on with this team or this player or trying to build the rundown or come up with like a new creative segment or something like I kind of feel guilty and and yeah, like, it's not really the best way to live, I, I've learned. And, and so, like, I'm I'm kind of, I'm trying to, like, take it back a little bit. But there are times where just all throughout the day where I'm just kind of, like, trying to think of things, like, new things to do or, or trying to research new things and, and new stats and trying to figure out players or update my rankings for the site or whatever it might be. Because technically, like, my work hours are at night, like, baseball starts i'm watching baseball i'm taking notes i'm building the rundown for the show for the podcast throughout the night so i work at night but you know there are still at times throughout the day where i'm still doing stuff which people are gonna say well oh like you know you're you're watching baseball or you're researching baseball sure like yes i agree with you like i'm blessed to be in the position that i am but i still kind of i think i need to find a way to to separate it a little bit more too and like football is coming and uh, I, I do football stuff with with CBS as well, so like I'm, I'm doing football research now at this time. Like I'm ramping up my football research too. So it's I would say seeing my parents work as hard as they did growing up is kind of like has instilled this level of like hard work and and that, like that mentality in me. And and my mom would always say like these cliche things like if you work hard enough, someone will find you. And I, I would always I would get frustrated because. You know, if I'm in college or if I'm interning with the Fantasy Sports Network, and I'm trying to figure out, like, how do I get to where Nando Dufino and Adam Azer are, right? And I would ask her that. I'm like, what do you think? Like, how do I get there? And she's like, if you work hard enough, people will realize and they will find you. And I always kind of just thought it was like, come on, man. Like, this isn't how life works. And that's how life worked.
1: Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's, oh, I have so much to say about that. Um, the very last part, I want to say that last line. Um, there is a very important distinction, uh, that my coach told me in college was good practice is good practice. Uh, where you work hard and you got to make sure that you're working and paying attention to the detail. You're not just grinding for the sake of grinding. You're doing things that are making you better and are not just, you know, blanket work that doesn't, that keeps you at a certain level, right? You got to work and you got to work with the intent of always improving, Um, And doing the right habits and not cutting corners. Because, I mean, sure, you could argue I cut corners a lot. (laughs) I made gifts; shouldn't have done that. Uh, But whatever, that's a corner that I cut to be able to do different things. But it's it's really like, okay, am I creating content that I like? Am I doing things better at my job so that I can... um, How are other people doing it? What do I like out of that? Really spending the time to audit yourself as you do with your podcast... That is good work and good practice. Just churning out an article, an article, an article, and not really thinking about it and going through the grind, it can be interpreted as beneficial work when it just doesn't, doesn't add, it doesn't do, you don't grow. Um, it's it's brano as opposed to water, right? The, the plants need water, not brano, which is a quote from Idiocracy, uh, if anyone knows that. Actually, kind of prophetic film in some ways. Anyway, I'm going to move away from that. Uh, but another, a lot of the stuff that you're talking about, like I, my dad was telling me when I was, uh, I don't know, about five years ago saying, Nick, now is the time in your life to be tired, right? Uh, there'll be time later on to, to relax and enjoy things. And that's why I'm in New York city. You know, I have a lot of friends that talk about, you know, moving away from the city, going to the suburbs, going off to big country and stuff like that. And it's lovely. It's peaceful. It's, it's great, but I can't do that. I can't, I need to be like you making projects, doing things, uh, uh, constantly improving. And, and that moment of creation is everything, right? That's, that's the drive is what can we do? What can we accomplish? What kind of, you know, extra things uh, can, yeah, can, can come from nothing. Um, and I know there will be a time where I will be, feel satisfied. feel like, cool, cool, I've made this thing. That's good. And I can go relax now, but yeah, I, I'm like you, man. I, I can't, You know, it's always going. And this industry doesn't let us sleep, too. It just that things are new every single day. There's another there's another game. There's another performance to talk about. There's it just doesn't end. You know, the questions never end. This is something I've been wrestling with for a while, because like, I mean, I'm I'm sure you feel the same way of every single time you get a question on Twitter or anywhere you want to answer every single one. Right. Yep. You don't, though, can you? You can't, no, you can't, you can't, and right. It's something that
2: we have an email address, and it's in like the intro of the podcast. You have a question, send it in fantasybaseball at cbsi right. Get like. 50 emails per day, like people asking questions. Yeah. And I feel bad because, I you know, of them can, I usually try to incorporate maybe five of them to end a podcast or something like that. But that means there's 45 other people that are not getting answered. So that's another right. part of, you know, throughout my day, I'll just try and jump into the email and answer some people's questions, yeah. jump on Twitter, answer some questions. And specifically with the sport of baseball, what you just said, it never ends. Oh, and I'm not saying that in a bad way. Like <laughs> that's what makes the sport so awesome is that there are, 15 games on every single day for six months. Great. And things are constantly changing. And it's, I I kind of relate it to where if you miss like a day of college or like a couple of days of college, you felt like you missed a whole semester. It's all catch up. And it's like, if you miss a day of baseball, you feel like you've missed everything. It's okay. Again, like I'll go back to like, you have to monitor what are people's spin rates right now? Like, is this person throwing a new pitch? More often than they ever have is their velocity up is, and you know it. Look, pitcher list is the name of your website. So specifically with pitching, there's so much constantly changing. So much, yeah. So it's you, you really you, you've got to pay attention and, and you've got to put the work in. But it's also at the same time, it's very gratifying too to see your work come to life to see a YouTube video, an article to see your name on a byline to have people interact with you and tell you love the podcast, love your video, love your work. It's it is very gratifying. And I said this before, and maybe I don't mean it completely because obviously I want to win my fantasy baseball leagues. But (laughs) throughout the course of a season, if I can help every person win their fantasy baseball league, if that meant me like losing in all of my leagues, then fine. Like right. I want to, I, I want, there's something special about like at the end of a baseball season when people are like, you helped me win a championship. Like that, that means something. And, sure. and that's part of the reason why I love doing it too, is, you know, seeing and helping other people win their leagues.
1: Yeah. Oh man. Um, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I there've been so many times when you're just not feeling good that day and all of a sudden you get some comments saying, Hey man, I just love your work. And like, thanks a lot. Like that. Oh that stuff is incredible. For every, you know, for every comment I get on the articles, being like, I think this is the last time I'll list. I'll read the list. I'm like, all right. Well, I tried. I you know, tried my best. I yeah. uh, but like you, hearing those comments bring you out. You know, that's another thing. Like we could probably do a whole hour <laughs> just, like negative that's, comments. That's gonna happen. I mean, that's just yeah. how it is. You get yeah. you have a platform like the internet, and that's yeah. that's what it is. You know, you can't pull down that which hasn't risen. Yeah, is 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 what I like to say. But. Um, I mean, to block it out. Though it's like you have to. It's it's indeed, part of the industry. Like I will, I
2: I will latch on to like the negative comments, even though I might get one negative thing said for every twenty positive things that are said. And I just, I don't know if it's just like human nature, but it's just I'll just look past all the positive things people say, and then I'll, I'll kind of just like harp on these like negative things, and I'm just like, well, tell me how to fix it. You know, like give right. me constructive criticism. Like don't just say, oh, well, this podcast sucks. If that's your opinion, that's fine. But let me know what do we need to do to make it better. Like, what don't you like about it, and, and sure. kind of learn from that. So that's like a big thing for me. Is you know, there's always going to be someone who has something to say, and that's fine. But let us know. Like, how do we fix it? What do we? Do? What do we need to do better? So
1: right. And and I, I, I do I do want to mention the. Um, I mean, this this whole thing does take a toll, right? Sure. Uh, and I, I don't want to. I don't know I, th- I kind of think with this podcast a bit. I enjoy, you know, understanding, you know, the whole idea is really understand the human behind all the stuff that we do. And uh obviously when it comes to just the time of everything, you know, I'm doing the roundup from eleven to one. You're you're saying up till 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, getting all this stuff done for the CBS podcast, which is crazy, ridiculous. And that's not, you know, your typical job. It's not the 9 to 5 when everyone has this expectation what you are able to do socially and everything. I'm like, well, no. It's a little different. I got to watch these games. I got to do this. And it's mm-hmm. it's not the same. And it's constant and always changing. Um, but I, I think the thing I dislike the most, which I'm trying as hard as I can to remove myself from, which is, I think, an innately impossible thing to do, is it feels terrible having our emotions tied to the performance of other humans. And what I mean by that is I'm obviously going to, you know, feel confident in certain players over others. That's just what we do. We say, Hey, I like this guy. I think all these reasons and, uh, you know, he's got a great fastball and his slider misses tons of bats or whatever it is. Uh, I think he's doing really well. Then he doesn't do well. And, It's it's it sounds, you know, if you're so removed from it, if I just tell you, hey, you are feeling badly uh, and terrible about yourself because someone else did something badly, which sounds like, wait, what? Why would you why would you feel such this, you know, this string attached to them? And it's it's impossible to avoid it. And it's not it's by far, I would say there's anything that like I could remove myself from. It's that. But it's innate guilt. It's an innate anxiety that you feel attached, that you, I want every single pitcher every single day to do super well, you know? Yep. And it's, every single day there's a failure. <laughs> and it's like Regardless, I know. It's, and it's, it's just, in, ah.
2: in baseball too, and it's like, and it's, look, if you play any fantasy sport, it doesn't have to be baseball or football. You know, the number that they usually throw around, Nick, is if you are 60% accurate in your calls, like, that's right. good for a fantasy analyst. You are right more than you're wrong and nobody in this industry is ever going to be right 100% of the time and you're right it is a weird thing that we do like we are talking about a fake game about a game basically which is to the performance of other humans and we let that affect us meanwhile like one of the things that you learn growing up is to worry about what you can control and We can't control this. Like no. we can't control uh, Trevor Bauer going out and, and getting rocked and having his worst start of the season. Like we right, can't but, control but that. We
1: can control what we say about them before they do, and that's the element that gets us. Is you know, I've uh, there have been times like I was a Jameson Tyone fan, and I still am a giant one. Um, but he hasn't done as well as I thought he would, and I can't help but feel that guilt of just. Uh, I know that there are people that saw this agreed with it and then didn't do well. And that's I guess I'm saying this more of um if you're you know if you're listening and trying to be a part of it, you know, thinking like, oh what a great thing. Like there are these elements that are just not, you know, that make you not enjoy it. Um and I I, I always will tell you, I mean everyone will say to you, don't make your hobby your job because you don't want to appreciate the hobby as much. I don't agree with that. I feel so lucky to do this stuff. Um there is an element of it that's just yeah, I can't, like at every single start, I feel this anxiety, like don't allow a home run right now because now all of a sudden I'm going to be wrong about this one thing and I'm going to feel worse about that, you know? <laughs> um, and that's, oh, I, I just want to destroy that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Being mature in life is understanding your emotions and then just, you know, pushing them out the door yeah. and not letting them control you as much. So I I don't know, I feel I could, <laughs> I don't know what really brought me to bring that up, but it's, there is that, That element of the game that mm, is just go away, man. We're trying, we're just having fun. We're trying to have good discussion. Yeah. Don't make your entire life. You're saying 60% of the time you're right. That means 40% failure. So do not make your product being right all the time. Yeah. That's a terrible idea. (laughs)
2: Yeah. And you know, I think kind of having fun with the mistakes that you make and trying to learn from them. Like I'm never gonna be the person who on a podcast, I only do victory laps. I'm going to do victory laps because whatever, I'm having fun. And a lot of it is like just being facetious or whatever. But things that I get wrong about, I've always taken pride in being a, I guess, fantasy analyst that calls myself out openly on the air when I get something wrong. And, you know, there are still a lot of people out there who won't do that. And they just only want to pump up the things that they get right. And look, I'm sure that there's a lot of people that also call themselves out when they're wrong. And I think that's the way to do it, right? Because at that point, you're letting everybody know that A, you're human and that you're going to make mistakes because that's obvious. Like everyone's going to make mistakes. But like if you openly talk about what you got wrong on the podcast and maybe why you got it wrong and trying to learn from it, like you can teach somebody else who's playing fantasy baseball a lesson as well that maybe they didn't realize before. Uh, and just like the last point on all of this is the way that I usually try to rationalize it, Nick, is whatever I tell people to do with their fantasy teams is exactly what I would do with mine. Mm-hmm. So if I tell you, it's like someone posted like an Apple podcast review, one star review. You guys told me to drop Anthony de Sclafani and the next game he threw a complete game. <laughs> if I'm telling you to drop Anthony de Sclafani, that means that I did it in, in one of my leagues as well. Right. So that's kind of how I rationalize with it. I don't know if that's a good way to look at things or whatever it might be, but just know that if I give you bad advice, that means that I have also
1: taken that same bet. Mm, sure. Yeah, I, I completely understand that. Yeah, it's I uh, I don't know. Um, this is it's it's a human thing through and through with the players, with what we do. Yeah. And just recognizing like, right, we are people. <laughs> we are you know, we are trying we all trying to have fun and, and talk about the right way. And that's all we're, we can do in the end. Um, but yeah, I just, I guess I guess want to give that, that sign of caution of that does, that's a part of this game and you can't run away from it. And that's, you know, you just gotta, you just gotta wear it. I'm not complaining about it. I'm just thinking I'm just kind of expressing it. Yeah. More you're than you're anything. aware you're aware that yeah. it's-, Ooh. it's just, Oh, I just look at it and go, why go just stop, go away. Let's just have fun talking about it. And Oh, it didn't work out. All right. It didn't work out. That's, you know, you move on. Everything is fine. Uh, And if we can be like that, then everything would be wonderful. Um, But uh, anyway, Frank, so that's, I'm going to put your mantra up here. I'm trying to think of how we can articulate all the last like 10 minutes (laughs) into one nice mantra and, um, and it's do good work and, and, you know, and that, and yeah, just do good work, do good work. Is that, does that sound good to you?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And I, I think what you were saying about good practice is good practice it's relatable to any field. It's not just being a fantasy analyst. It's like you can, if you're a construction worker, if you're a bus driver, if you're a healthcare worker, God bless you. Hmm. You can evaluate your work and figure out, okay, what did I do right? What did I do wrong? How do I grow? How do I get better? And it's not just for the sake of like, yes, you want to do it for yourself to be better at your career and your profession, but like if you do that, good things will happen. You know, like my mom said like you work hard, people will realize and right as you self-evaluate and, and you grow and you get better and you learn from your mistakes, who knows like that could open up more opportunities. People are going to realize, "Hey, you're working harder. You're you're doing things the right way." And maybe it leads to a promotion or a new opportunity or like people are going to realize. So I think that yeah, do good work. People are going to realize. And and the
1: good is also good intended. Yes. Uh, that's, that's also of course just doing great things about it all right uh frank uh i think i've taken too much of your time i cannot thank you for being here um before we go can you remind everybody where they can find you and all the wonderful things that you do
2: yes so you can find me on twitter at roto underscore frank all my work at Cbsports.com i actually have a newsletter that comes out every weekday that dan schneier and myself he's part of the fantasy editorial team uh that we kind of tag team and that comes out every day that's on the website. You can find my rankings, cbsports.com slash fantasy slash baseball. And of course the two podcasts that we're doing, it's fantasy baseball today, which is the full length podcast, and then Fantasy Baseball Today in five, which is a five minute Spark Notes version of that podcast where we'll hit like some of the biggest performers, waiver wire ads, uh every single night, the biggest news and notes. Um, and it's, you know, if you can't, if you don't have enough time to listen to an hour length podcast, which not everybody does listen to the five minute podcast and maybe it'll still help you out
1: awesome well frank thanks so much for being here uh i'm gonna go now and watch that video uh so i can't wait for that fantasy on deck with frank stanfel that's right Uh, you can check it out in the podcast notes but for everybody else thanks a lot for being here today and we'll be back next week with another episode of nick pollock and friends